Welcome back to the Masters of Modern Podcast. I am your host, Alex Kessler, here with my co-host of the last forever years, Mr. Ben Bateman is back. It is 2022. It's a new year. It's the sequel to 2020. What up, Ben Bateman? Welcome back. What's up? I'm so happy to be back. Uh, I tried to come back a little too early. We did an episode like a month and a half ago or something like that. Uh, but I'm nine, just over nine weeks now recovered. You guys are hearing this in probably about 10 weeks recovered and I'm doing all right. It's a slow, it's a slow burn. I hate to say it, but you know, I'm on my feet doing stuff and I'm very excited to be back. I miss the show. You know, I definitely miss the show. And uh, the good news is I am now able to actually do this without harming myself. So uh, thanks for being patient and a big round of applause for Mr. Tesla for uh, manning the Fort keeping the steering wheel, uh, the boat in the I mean, water. It was really all of our guests. I mean, you know, they, they gave the 210%. I just showed up, talked to them about their lives. They did a great job. Really excited to have you back, though. For those, for audio listeners only, Ben actually now has like a cybernetic like back coming that there's like like blinking red lights coming out from his shoulders. Of just... I was actually near playing the role of Cable in Deadpool yes, 2. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, half of his body is now cybernetic, cybernetic implants. Uh, but we're glad to have you back. Uh, just, you know, don't... Uh, hunt us down like the terminator uh um, I, will, I will not um I, I, it is 2022 as you mentioned and i'm definitely excited that it's 2022 do you have any really big things other than the one gigantic thing in 2022 that you're like really excited about doing or or like that you're just like a 2022 resolution that you've already decided on resolution no no resolutions. <laughs> uh, my resolution is to like successfully have a child and then not that, and that keep was it alive. The big thing I was referring to. <laughs> um, I uh, am very excited about um, the 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 world of like going to New York Toy Fair. Uh, we have Battle Bosses is out now. If you were a Patreon, uh, we have finally sent out the deluxe edition. So, um, paid Battle Bosses is now just for sale starting in 2021. If you go to our website, uh, battlebosses.com, you can buy it, which is a game I made, uh, that's dope and then recommend it. Uh, the fact that it's out in the world finally is really cool. Uh, yeah, the fact that I am having a child, that there will be a little miniature me, uh, that'll be like this big and then slowly get bigger from there is weird. Those are Huge. my those are my 2022 uh, goals starting today. Battle bosses and a baby. I think it's uh it's those are good goals. Cookie, I, I think, cookie dough. Eat more cookie dough. Just eat more mm. cookie dough. That's exciting, man. I mean, I think I think uh, it's wild that we've done this show for as long as we have, and and now we're we're going to be those podcasters where uh, we grew up on the podcast. There's going to be a there's yeah, going to be a childbirth. You yeah. can do a little like uh, take snippets from every episode, showing yes. us gradually grow older throughout yes. the years exactly exactly well that's exciting uh, i i'm definitely looking forward to 2022 it's gonna be a fun year i can't wait to start playing magic in stores again uh you know i know we're around the corner as you mentioned from toy fair i'm not just excited to be able to you know safely and consistently have places to go play magic with strangers again something that i really miss doing uh and i'm also very excited for uh obviously the tour that i was supposed to go on had to get postponed as did the album release, but both things are going to be happening in the spring and the summer. The uh, the EP coming out in April, and then the tour, probably June, July, maybe August, uh, will be rescheduled. So that's all going to be awesome. I actually just hit 75,000 streams on Spotify 
today. Nice. You guys are hearing this a couple days later. But yeah, I mean, it's kind of crazy, right? It's been eight months. Like it kind of uh, was like a little passion project I wanted to do something I was definitely excited about. But uh, people actually supported it. And then I and it'll get to be announced at some point, like soon. But there's uh, I have a song that something really cool is happening with very soon that I'll be able to talk about on the podcast uh, when it happens officially, officially. Um, I just don't really know what I'm allowed to do, but cool. it was nice. It was a nice feather in the cap recently. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you. Um, so uh, enough about us. More about Magic the Gathering as Magic. as as the premier Masters of Modern podcast. Uh, we are talking today about our favorite cards from every set from last year. So this is this is going to be a little bit of a recap of 2021. Uh, what we think the best, not the best cards, but our favorite cards uh, in Modern are from each set. Uh, we'll talk about our, our vibes on each set in general, a little bit of like a year in review. Uh, but before we get into that, I, I do want to thank our patrons. Um, Thank you, patrons. You're the reason this podcast can happen. It, it's like the support you guys give the podcast to helping us uh, pay for Rick and Marshall to make sure the podcasts are edited. You get all the card files. The audio sounds good for audio listeners is just extraordinarily appreciated. And if anyone who is listening uh, has it in them, they donate anything from a dollar to five dollars, ten dollars. We would super appreciate it. You do get some cool early access stuff. So you get the full episode uh, about a week early. So you get week week early raw access, which is also like no editing from the perspective of like all of the swearing that we do uh all of the <laughs> like tangents that we go down if we say something just like wrong and then ben uh, like halfway through they're like ben solitude is a has flash uh you should re- say that you get to hear all those mistakes plus we do an extra 15 minutes of pre-show uh at the beginning of every episode that is exclusive and will only ever be on patreon so if you don't if you want to hear some of that cool stuff uh it is all there on patreon and thank you again to patrons you are uh heroes uh among heroes uh and nobles uh, of house modern we thank you nobles of house modern and also if you check out below if you're going to go buy anything on tcg player just make sure to click the link from us beforehand because we do get some amount of kickback uh for that and that also does definitely help the podcast and we appreciate that as well um all right we're we're it's it's january 2021 almost exactly a year ago it's cold there's vikings tybalt mm. has maybe grabbed a sword and ripped a hole into reality allowing vorticlix to show up to get some tree sap D- kaya's got battle axes we're on cal time uh yeah what so so i guess first off is is now that we're like a year out how do you feel about cal time so I'm going to say this. I'll say it now once, and I know that I'll end up touching on this a bit more as we get through the year. But overall, it's not my favorite year of Magic sets. I don't think that I would characterize any of these sets as particularly bad sets. Like there are bad sets in Magic's history. I'll, it'll have to be a little more time before I really would determine that any of these sets aren't good. But I don't have like a great deal of affection on the whole for some of the sets this year like there's a lot of stuff that i think in concept when we were doing the previews was like oh there's a lot of text or like this is kind of confusing or there's a lot going on here and i don't feel like most of those concerns actually ended up being unfounded so i have cards for sure and we'll talk about our favorite of each one because like i definitely have cards from each set that i really love because they're like in every set even if it's not your favorite there's still always going to be cards that stand out yeah but i do think that on the whole when i look back like, there are just, like, little things that I guess I wish I got out of each set. And it's funny, the card that I picked out of Kaldheim to share, it's not even really a card that I think is particularly exciting for modern. There's a modern card that I could have picked, but I'll bet you you picked it, so I'm, I'm hoping you did. I'm like, I did. Really? Yeah, go. It's 
speak your piece. I chose I chose this card, Magda Brazen Outlaw. Remember this card? No, Magda's dope. Magda sees a lot of play. Not in modern, but like in magic. Yeah. And I, I, I it could see play in modern. Like the more treasure mechanics that get made, the more likely it is that we get like a cheat dragon artifact thing exactly. in the play. Well, that's why I like Magda so much. What I what I found in playing Magda, I tried to brew with Magda quite a bit when the card first came out. Um there's not quite an efficient enough way to keep it alive and fill up on treasures like you it's trying to do a couple too many things at once to be able to go turbo just yet in modern but i did find that in it it found its way into cute deck lists and then i definitely found that in commander when we played this card was a house the inevitability of this card is what makes it so good the fact that it's a tribal lord that also allows you to do something savage if you just like let it stick around for just long enough, I think is what I like so much about it. And that's why I think eventually in modern, this card actually will be good. I think that eventually there will just be enough synergy with things getting treasures early enough that you'll be able to do something massive. Um, but I definitely just enjoy this card on the whole. I think it's exactly the kind of thing where I could see this exact card being a 3-2 for 3. And it would be it would be so much worse. But the fact that it's a two one for two that also is a lord that then also has this extra thing. It just means the more dwarves we get, the more treasures we get, the longer we go, the more likely it is this card's going to be bonkers. And I've had so much fun playing it that I think it stood out to me more than any of the other cards. I almost chose Valky, but I just I like this card way more. Yeah, yeah. And and Valky, you know, like what's interesting about Valky and Tibble Trickery and what's interesting about Caldime in general is they like. On two different cards, they had to ban one and they had to change the rules along another one, right? Like the way that Cascade interacts with uh, Tibble cards trickery. had to change and Tibble's Trickery just in general was banned in a bunch of formats to be makes it definitely like a statement on power level. I So like that's kind of like an interesting point, right? Like this year, as far as power level goes, definitely seems a lot more depreciated than the last few years. But on the other hand, uh, other than Modern Horizons 2, but on the other hand, like that's maybe not a bad thing, right? Like I think I don't hate that. Like a lot of these sets are a lot more role players and niche cards versus like just powerhouse after powerhouse that warped every format that got printed. Um, and the fact that Kaldheim was kind of the end of that like banning cycle that lasted from uh, War of the Spark is 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 interesting. That like Strixhaven. You know, when you actually look at the Strixhaven cards that were printed, none of them are worth very much or seemed very powerful. Now, the worth is different because they had the the mystical archive in them. So it's a little suspect, Um, but still like it's not known for its power level and neither was uh, the D&D set. Neither really were Midnight Hunt or Crimson Veil. But yeah, I think I think for me, Caldheim, I actually have. So I, I like leaned into like my favorite cards. And often I've leaned towards like what I thought were most interesting, not necessarily most powerful in modern. Because I, yeah, I think I think a there's two cards that were banned out of Caldheim in modern, and those are probably the best. There's also stuff like Masked Vandal uh, that'll just like be a role player forever. Um, but my 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 pick is uh, uh, Maskwood Nexus. Uh, the like all oh yeah yeah, yeah. all the creatures are all things. You can make a token. I think that card like allows a lot of really cool lines of play. It events a whole bunch of different archetypes. The more cool travel cards are printed, the more likely it gets more broken in half. Um, and just I think is like a really cool card that like has opened up a lot of just different deck play styles. Yeah, I remember this was definitely one of the cards we talked about in our preview episode. Uh, it definitely was a card that we were both pretty excited about. Uh, it's, it's definitely very, very cool. I definitely think that lots and lots and lots of things have tried to go back to the Mistform Ultimus original templating of every creature type. You know, obviously we had Changeling get introduced and then there's been a whole number of different things that have gone down that road. 
shapeshifters and whatnot. But, you know, it, this is not going to be a, a modern powerhouse card, obviously. This is just going to be like a uniquely cool card and a very fun card. But well, the fact... I, I don't know if I agree, though. I, I think it does have the potential to see real modern play. Like, it, the moment that there is a card that is good that makes it worth playing this that goes infinite like the the thing with maxwood nexus is just like accidentally goes infinite with a bunch of cards now most of those cards are six drops or like on the expensive side but the moment they print like a three one that whenever a bird enters the battlefield create a spirit token well uh, so there's remember that that black card from mercadian max that was then in time spiral conspiracy black black I always loved conspiracy and I like always wanted to try to find ways to break conspiracy. Right. But it's yeah. double black and it's a five drop. This well, is just a much better version of that card. Like, well, there's like the blue one, right? There's a three drop blue one, but this one, this one's that the fact that this affects things that aren't on the battlefield and creature spell cards also has like specific, inter- like it works slightly differently than conspiracy does. It's like the most powerful version of conspiracy and it's colorless and it's modern legal. That's what I was going to say. It's the fact that, well, it's so is conspiracy, but the fact that it's modern legal is, uh is uh, conspiracy is not colorless this is colorless conspiracy is black conspiracy is modern legal because it was time shifted this card is colorless which is what makes it ultimately in my opinion as well as costing one less but the fact that it's colorless is the thing that really makes it a bonkers good card because it, it allows you it allows you to pull from literally any tribal idea you could possibly have in any color and then just this card just fits with whatever that the idea is. It also isn't a dead card draw. Like if I play this and they're able to like answer my combo piece, I now have a, a two two changeling every turn, right? Like I, I I still have the ability to do stuff as the game goes on. So I think I think this card's better than not. I think this card is modern playable in the long run. How it's yeah. played, what does that look like? I don't know. There's also you know there's there's adaptive mutation. I think is the other one, and xenograph are the other two. Yeah. Uh, versions of conspiracy so there's like four versions of this card and those two are also in modern and those just don't do anything else and they're blue so i think it even being colorless is really helpful i might have said the wrong cards there and i am very thankful of our editors for putting the right <laughs> cards in front of us you uh, wrong cards yeah. never all right so so yeah so as far as cal time itself goes to me I really like the theme. I like it. Norse mythology is not like other than just like Thor from Marvel. I, I, I have not done. It was never been like a big, big, big thing for me. And like, uh, you know, as far as other modern cards, like Toski is another card from that set that like has seen real modern play. Uh, and I think there's like it, it has a lot more depth than maybe even some of the other sets this year. It's definitely not my favorite theme wise, um, but it's cool. Uh, like snow was back. I'm kind of really sick of snow now that it's gone through its experiences but yeah so the next set well i do want to say really quick before we move on from from kaldheim yeah i mean i think like what i said a second ago i i didn't want to start the episode like a downer i think i just wanted to be like sort of honest about it because i just you know feel like it's important if if anybody who's a fan of the show had a similar feeling they could relate to it and i just think that the thing i noticed when i remember us doing the spoilers for the set was like there's a lot of double-sided cards a lot of these double-sided cards have a huge amount of text it takes me forever to read these. It's so many new cards and it feels like, and I realize that it's not like we're getting that many more new cards that are standard legal, but between the commander product and the fact that we have as many expansions as we have now, plus premium sets, there's just so many cards now that when you give me a set that has that kind of text and two sides to it, it's overwhelming. When you give me multiple, multiple new mechanics with tons of text and multiple sets. So this just kind of was a taste of things to come. And I think that, you know, it, 
every every generation of magic design uh, evolves and changes. And there's only so much you can do with very basic templating. Like you just at a certain point, you run out and you have to start making it more interesting, coming up with new ideas. But I do think that with Caldheim, that was the first thing I noticed. And it was one of the big takeaways for me looking back on it. It's hard for me to keep some of the cards straight, to be honest with you. Fair. Some of the fair. flip cards. Uh, so the next set, uh, we went to Wizard School, uh, Strixhaven School of Mages. Uh, I was just like all types of hypes for this plane. I still really love Strixhaven. Um, big fan of like revisiting each of the enemy color combos and trying to do them in a different way. Not all of them. They did like the best job of differentiating. But I do think for the most part, they did a pretty good job, especially once you got to play with uh, them. They felt more different than maybe they even did during preview season. Um, I really loved learn as a mechanic. I thought that was really cool and like a, a sign that Wizards is willing to play in spaces that they hadn't played before, which I continue to enjoy. Um, and yeah, what are your what are your thoughts on Strixhaven? This is probably my favorite of the standard expansions. I really like Strixhaven. The power level is low, which is funky. Um, it it's kind of funky looking back at all the cards because it's like a bunch of medium powered cards that I have a great deal of affection for, which is similar to a lot of older sets. Actually, that's how I feel about a lot of older sets. Like we did Time Spiral Remastered this year, which we didn't pick cards from because it was all reprints, but. It, if you look at Time Spiral Remastered, it's a lot of extremely medium-powered cards. It's actually not that many traditionally powerhouses. Like, mm -hmm. there's a handful of really good cards, but mostly it's, like, stuff that feels a lot more like Strixhaven. And there's something charming about that for me. Um, this had my favorite card that I played, I think, or at least the card, the new card that I probably played the most. Uh, and I, that's the card that I picked, which if you follow our streams or any of the stuff we do, you probably know already. Um, shall I reveal my card? Sure. I chose Galazeth Prismari. That was, okay. the, that, was, that was the card. I played that card a lot. I think the design on that card is super, super cool. Um, I like the idea of a, like, a, like, a, like a wizard dragon sort of thing that's able to use treasure to cast spells. Um, it just, I mean, the stats on it are already pretty decent anyway. The fact that it's a 3-4 flyer for 4 that immediately makes you a treasure token, but then comes down, and much like one of my old favorites, Grand Architect, now allows all of the artifacts that you already have on the battlefield to just create mana. All of them. Every, like, every one of them. Just means your ability to... And, and I mean, obviously, it's only to cast instant or sorcery spells, but, like, this is a really good card for control decks. Sure. It's a, it's a, it's a really interesting card for control decks. Traditionally, blue-red is not the place that people like lean into for like the hard control blue white is where they lean more it used to be like you'd see more of it but blue red is often used in, in modern it's like more of a tempo or kind of like a blitz aggro type of color combination like utilizing cheap spells but i mean i just think about this card as like this this to me represents exactly that middle point of where you want to be with like a with like a blue control finisher because of it coming down, allowing all of your artifacts that you have down already to now just like act as I can cast my counter spells. I can do all of the other things that I want to. I can tap out on turn four as long as I have the right things down already. Um, I just think it's a really cool card. And I obviously I played this in commander as well, um, which is where I got most familiar with it. But I just I do think that this card is one of the few actually pretty pushed cards in Strixhaven. Yeah, I feel, I feel like that's fair. Uh, so. Yeah, I like. I think Strixhaven has a lot of gems that, in the long run, are going to be looked upon like really fondly. I think there's like some really good cards in that set that like 
right now because of the mystical archive which is one of the coolest things they did all year like none of the prices are very high right like i like the 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 red white flip card that's like a two one first strike or the backside is a silence effect for two like that's these cdh play like pretty regularly uh you have the the black green dean the one black one that's like a a a playable modern card you have uh like first class right like the fact that learn has all the looting effects and the fact that first class sees modern play is like something that's pretty cool and significant i think um my favorite card like i i actually agree though i think like actually my favorite card of the year is a strixhaven card and it's plarg uh yeah it's like it's like (laughs) such a cool a like as a character he's dope he's the dean of chaos like he's this like orc it's like oh (laughs) it's like fire everywhere um but also just like you know, I, I like Jace Finch Prodigy. Uh, Plark has a lot of those vibes. Discarding first is sometimes better, especially when you're working with dredge cards. Uh, he, like, the backside of Augustus is always a decent backup plan. The card is just really cool. Love it in Commander. Love it in this. Uh, yeah, I've I've really enjoyed the card. Uh, and, and, and I do think it has modern play potential, right? Like, a two-mana d- loot on the front end that then can cascade into cascade spells has, like, potential to do something. Um... And Augustus does have infinite combo potential. So like both of them being somewhat playable in that sense, I think is really interesting. Um, yeah, I've I've really enjoyed Plark uh, in general. But like, I think Strixhaven in general just was really impressive. I think it's my favorite set of the year as well. Um, outside, like it's that or Midnight Hunt are like really in contention for favorite. It's one or the other. And I would probably pick Strixhaven over the third time we were at Innistrad because I do think I'm a little more disappointed with this return to Innistrad than the last two times, though that could change also as time goes on. Yeah, I would agree. I think Strixhaven was everything I wanted it to be when we, when we got it, when we got it previewed in the first place and we all wondered what was going to happen with it. It really turned out to be what I hoped. I think I wish in each of the cases, like the types, like, like for instance, the commands, like I wish that we just got a full set of bangers as opposed to like what I think we got, which was like a, a couple, a couple really good ones. And then a few, like we always get with commands. We, yeah. We've never gotten a cycle of 100% bangers. Like the original five, maybe the red one was the only like unplayable one, but like in no, modern, I, 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 no, I get it. I'm not saying that yeah, you yeah. usually get a set of bangers. I'm saying like, it was the thing I was the most excited about, and I think it could have, we could have, they could have just done that. Like, there's almost no reason not to. Like, it's such an exciting piece of magic that when you look sure. back, like, that this this was enemy colored commands that we're getting. I think, I think they did a better job on these commands, though, than they did on the uh, allied ones, the the Dragons of Dark Here ones. Like, other, like, because the Dragons of Dark Here ones only have like one good one. Well, I think the blue and the black one, the blue ones are just like, well, like the problem with the dragons of dark here once is that cryptic command was so was too good. Like it was over the line and power level that they like were really afraid of the blue black one and the blue white one being very good. And they put more of that energy in the red black one, the red green one and the green white one for standard. And in this case, it just ended up that the blue red one uh, was the best one because they just kind of recreated Culligan's command. And then um, the green black one was probably the second best which like the one thing i will agree is that there's an argument to be made that green black and blue red are the best two color combos in magic and the fact that the commands for both of those two color combos were also just the best ones is you know 
a little medium. I, I do wish the Boros one was like one like a, was better, but it wasn't. And here we are. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the, Lorehold, the Lorehold. if I remember correctly, the black green one was wasn't it like a sorcery speed card? It's like the only one that was a sorcery and all the rest were instants. Uh, there were I think there were other sorceries, but Wither Bloom Command uh, was a sorcery target player. The black white one was also a sorcery. And that was the problem with the black white one. Yeah, Wither, I, I just yeah. Well, in any case. Overall, I think Strixhaven was awesome. Yeah. It, it, it's unsurprising that a set that has an instant speed blue red command that costs three is going to be my favorite set of the year. Like, well, other than Horizon. I also, too. I also think like Prismari is more Ben Bateman as Lorehold is more Alex Kessler than is it is. Yeah. From yeah, a, I think it's a, fair. Like, you are a musician. You are an entertainment movie entertainer person, right? Like Prismari is about that in a blue red way, which is also your two color combo versus like. Is it which like you're not a scientist? No offense. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not I'm, a scientist. <laughs> How dare you say so? <laughs> I everyone in the comments, let me know if you think Ben is a scientist. What <laughs> what type of scientist, what field of study in science is Ben is Ben? Uh if he was a professor on is it, uh which what what type of way is he exploding people? What's uh, the Mark Wahlberg's quote in the, the Transformers movie? What I'm an inventor. <laughs> oh, I, don't, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, all right. So. Uh, the next the next set is is a doozy. It's we're we're at Modern Horizons, too. So this one's weird because if neither one of us was to pick the big hitter, it would feel totally disingenuous to the set. Which uh, I don't crazy. agree because my point was favorite. I, I I did say what is your favorite card, not what the best card is, because the best card is Ragavan, and then Urza Saga is maybe arguable is the best card. Like you can maybe argue it's Urza Saga, not Ragavan. It's like between the two of them, right? And then like then you get into like the mid tier, which like there's just a library of some of the most powerful cards in the entire format. I I, I did put my favorite. I did not put any of the cards I just said. Okay, gotcha. Um, I picked Ragavan. <laughs> I picked Ragavan because He's also there's, jump. A, there's like, a couple other cards that I like almost picked. There's like a few cards that I like really considered picking that I think are valid that I really enjoy. Um, one in particular that I wonder if it's yours, actually. I'll bet you it is. I'm glad I didn't pick it. Um, Ragavan, when we previewed the set, I lost my mind over. And then three days later or four days later, I remember like that was the consensus like i just i'm sure that was already the consensus i just hadn't seen everyone's consensus yet and then it became the dominant card that it is but the reason it's dominant and the reason that i loved it then and the reason i still love it is that that card does everything i want out of a magic card like that card is designed when you and i talk about like the style of play that we have like the cards that we like that card is everything i like in a magic card it costs one it's an aggressive threat that provides me utility that draws me cards like it's designed, right? The only the only difference is if it was like a 1-1 one, one flyer that was blue instead of a 2-1 creature on the ground. It's probably the only difference. Like, And it would be even... I mean, that, that would be better. What? Yeah, is that worse or better? It would be better. It'd be better just because it's evasive and it can't be blocked by a 1-1. One, one. Um, and you don't care about 2 damage versus 1. I mean, I guess you do in some decks, but like you care about the fact that you can create it's mana. It's definitely... I don't know what's better. Yeah, it's an interesting card. It's an interesting I mean, dilemma. <laughs> it's 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 basically this card was like tailor made for everything I love about Magic, and so it's funny that it became really 
good and is the most dominant card in the format and in the set, but it's also just my favorite card. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of cards I like in the set, but this is my favorite one. That's fair. So I don't, That's fair. I don't feel guilty in saying it. Uh, yeah, I, I think like, you know, we've spent a lot of time this year talking about Modern Horizons. We've talked about how it's affected the format. We've talked about how it's been a in general a benefit from a, a variety of gameplay option perspective and the different powerful strategies that are available. It's opened the format up in the first time in basically since Modern Horizons 1. On the other hand, it, it you know, the top... 30 most played cards in the format the majority are them are printed in modern horizons between modern horizons one and modern horizons two and the majority of them are printed in those two sets specifically so like that's the future (laughs) uh we've talked a lot about that my favorite card is uh not a powerhouse in modern if i had to pick one amongst the powerhouses in modern i'd probably pick urza saga I think it does a lot more cooler things in a lot of different ways than Raghavan does. Raghavan is just, I also like Raghavan, so like, don't get me wrong. I just think Urza Saga is more interesting, but I put Academy Manufacturer. Uh, Card is really sweet. Card is really sweet. It's really, it's like really cute. I like that it makes three, like all the tokens in, I've even tried making it work in, in, in modern. I think the fact that Raghavan grabs it and is like, busted in half when it accidentally grabs your opponent's academy manufacturer makes it kind of unplayable because of Raghavan. <laughs> uh and if Raghavan was in the format i'd like revisit it uh but it is uh really cool and and in in decks I, I do get to play with like in commander i have it in my eloise deck it's like a, it's bonkers it's a bonkers card yeah it's it's an excellent card when you and i did our first of the streams which it will be coming back by the way you guys will be hearing this in the beginning of january and in january you guys are going to start to see a stream coming back on sundays which is going to be uh me probably starting with alex but soon to be with other guests playing modern uh it'll be super fun we're looking forward to it and in the very first one we did the sort of pilot back in whenever that was november. um november <laughs> uh yes we had exactly that scenario I stole your Academy Manufacturer with my Raghavan, and it was excellent. It was felt, wonderful. Felt, felt bad. Felt yeah. bad. Immediately took apart the deck. <laughs> yeah, it was really cool. Um, great card. Really interesting design. I do think something to point out about Horizons 1 and Horizons 2. So, like, as I said a second ago when talking about card design, you know, Magic's a complex game, and it has tons of variables, but it's also a game that there's only so much you can do in terms of, like, Things have to cost one, two, three, four, you know, zero, one, two. Like, you have to be able to hit things on curve. You have to hit your land drops. You are still going to draw seven cards. There are limitations for how they can design the game. And so if they want to design a bunch of cool cards that are going to be competitive in a format like Modern, their choice is to either balance them to be on the level of what's out there or just slightly above it. But then all that's going to happen is they're going to design things that by and large are competing for space with cards that already exist. And if they're about as powerful people will often choose to just play with the ones they have already. And they won't be as excited to open those cards because they're not going to feel like they're replacing the things that are good. So what ends up happening is they take ideas that are already good and they push them by at least 5% or or 2%. So they are definitely going to be better than the things that are established on curve with the rules that are in place. And they end up taking over the format because that's the only way you can print cards directly that are not going to be in standard to make things interesting is to try to trump what's out there by at least just a little bit. Because if you don't, it's going to be boring. And it's the only place they're going to see play anyway is in eternal formats. Then you may as well swing for the fences. But I just think that the result of that after two times now is that it 
it did the opposite, right? It kind of invalidated like a lot of what was already out there and had already been printed for years that people owned. You kind of have to own, you have to own Raghavans right now if you want to compete. Like you sort of have to. It's you I don't, don't think like, that's true. There's a ton of really powerful decks that are being played that don't play Raghavan. In fact, Burn's not even playing Raghavans. Fair. Okay. Well, right. but you want you understand my point though. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. There are I, a lot of very expensive cards that are exclusive to those sets that you have to have to be competitive right sure, now. Sure, sure, sure. Now, I, what one thing I will say. Yeah, I mean, it, what what Modern Horizons is is that uh, I think it was cool that Conspiracy and Battle Bond and those sets were able to print directly into Legacy, and I think Wizards like that. I think it gave them the ability to make cool cards in those formats. And now that Legacy is basically not a real format, and Modern is becoming that, with Pioneer becoming what Modern was, or that's like vaguely was their goal. The Modern Horizon sets became that, and I think like the fact that the Lord of the Rings set that we're getting this year is going to be printed into modern is a sign that unless this set's like very commander focused, they're going to be modern horizons esque in that way. I think it's fair. I think it's totally fair. And I think we, we had a conversation with someone, I can't remember who it was uh, about just sort of the different power levels, um, the various power levels of all the cards in the, in the horizons set. And I think that the general consensus is that like you could have down you could have down powered down Ragavan slightly. Like it's you could have done that. Like it's possible. And I, I know I know that that's like internally a conversation that has to have happened. But then the card's just less exciting, right? Like that's that's it. And like it's it's the prime example of a card that if you want to have a flagship card that's exciting, I do think that's the future. I do think we're going to see more things like that, and it is just going to keep up in the ante. And I don't think they're, they're going to go in direction of powering down. Because why sure. would they? All right. Next set is the uh, MTG and the Forgotten Realms, the D&D set. Mm. There is a few options here. Uh, this is the first full set set in a non-magic property. You had also the flavor text mechanic thing where they started just like using flavor text in the front of different things that different cards did to kind of get those choices. There are a lot of iconic D&D cards. You don't play D&D at all, correct? I don't. I, I mean, I, it's something I'm like loosely aware of as a little kid. Played or just you just like kind of know about it? Um, like when I was a little kid, like I would sometimes at synagogue there was this like one kid who like loved it, and so we would like skip services and play. That happened sometimes when I was really little, okay. and uh, and then like later on, like I had a guy I worked at a bar with in my twenties who loved it. He talked to me about it all the time. Sure. So I have some awareness of it. Plus, also, if you've played Magic as long as I have, it's impossible sometimes if you're going to spend that much time in game stores to not just like interact or be around games that are being played and then you playing, you know, playing D&D. So I have like, but yes, I, I wouldn't call myself someone who like knows what's up. So, you know, I, I like really this year is the first time I've played any extensive D&D ever. No, I know. But I, that, oh, okay. I, talked, I talked to you about it like quite a bit. Like you like. You were like doing it and I was like sad that I wasn't invited. And then you were like, I'll invite you. And then I didn't ever come. So <laughs> you don't have time to do anything. <laughs> uh, not that I have time. Uh, yeah. So so um, I'm going to go with uh, you've said your favorite card first a few times. Mine was uh, Oswald Fiddlebender. This uh, is the uh, one in a white yes, uh, artifact birthing pod. Uh, this card's really dope. I've gotten to play it in modern decks. I've gotten to play it in other formats. I've gotten to play it as a commander. It like. It's birthing pod, but for artifacts, I don't know if anyone ever saw this card. I was like, Alex Kessler is going to not like this card. The I, this card's great. I love it so much. It does everything I want a card to do. 
Fiddlebender's sweet. I mean, this this card, yeah. I, I think the um, I'm sort of surprised that Pyre of Heroes didn't make it for you. I thought that card was going to be more you. Um, I know you love those like toolbox, search your deck for a thing types of cards. It's like one of your cause, favorite because it wasn't good anywhere. <laughs> yeah, I know we were excited about it when it first got spoiled. But Fiddlebender is I've played against you and you've played this card. It's great. It's it's fun. It's got a great name. Phenomenal name. Really fun name. Um, I chose a card from this set that is kind of like a forever card that I just think is going to be good forever. Mm-hmm. I chose Treasure Vault. Um, sure, it falls in line with a with a with a type of land that I'm a big fan of. So, like utility lands that come into play tap, even if they're insanely powerful, I just don't care about. I don't ever want to play a land in a deck that comes into play tap if I can help it. I'll make like the I will make the exception occasionally for like a celestial colonnade type of card, but even mm-hmm. then, like I just don't like it. I don't like it because I like to play things that are cheap. I like to play things that cost one, and I never ever want to be in a situation where my only land is a tap land and I have a one drop and I have to throw the hand back because of it. Ever. I would always way rather have cantrips that cost one and all my lands come into play on tap, so I can always gamble on a on a one lander if I have to. Sure. Um, granted, Treasure Vault only produces colorless mana when it comes into play untapped, so it's not like I have a lot of colorless one drops, but I still think that it coming into play untapped fits in with what I like. And I just like cards like this where there's not a lot of downside. And if you put you you put this into certain decks and you get to the middle of the game and any kind of scalable spell, this thing just goes bonkers. It just goes bananas. You just end of turn double your mana all of a sudden. I mean, you have you're down a land, obviously. You lose the treasure vault to do it. You know, so it's but even so, like you get up to you're hitting your land drops, and you're in a stalemate. and All of a sudden you go from, you know, having nine, nine lands available to all of a sudden you untap and you've got 12 mana. Like it's just it's just like a, it's just big. It's big mm-hmm, game. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and you don't really suffer much by having it. I think format to format, it's something that's going to always have a place. Like I know there's a modern deck long term that there will be a modern deck that this will be bonkers in. It's hard to see play. I mean, the fact that it's an artifact land is enough, right? Like that's it's going to be its biggest. Yeah, I, the the one card type. So the one mechanic that I will say I was close in picking was the the classes. I like really love the class mechanic. I've played cleric class, wizard class, and warlock class a lot um, in different formats, and like they both are just like very cool and how powerful they are and how they're engines. I do wish like you know that you could do it at instant speed versus sorcery speed, but even then, I think that like. What they do is really cool, and I like them playing in spaces like that. It's like different type of enchantments. Yeah, it. I would say probably of the sets, this might have been the one that I f- I felt missed the most. It was the one that I maybe was like the least like least interested in, perhaps. Okay. And I, I wonder if that's part. It's partly because of just the fact, like the D and D thing, and it's just not something I was familiar with. But all you care about is numbers and and rules text. You don't care about flavor. I mean, there was a lot of. I mean, there was there was a lot of rules text in this set. There was a lot. There was a lot of small print. This was another in the. This was another in the long line of what ended up being a a year of a tremendous amount of text on cards. And I I don't know. Look, sometimes certain sets they do it for you, and other times they just don't. And there were cards in the set that stood out that I think are cool. Some of the lands I really like in the set. I think in general, the lands are probably my favorite part about this set, but and actually in dungeons were dungeons are pretty cool. I do yeah, think that, that was the one mechanic we haven't touched upon. Dungeons were really cool. I did really like them. I don't think they're like modern exciting, but they've they were a cool mechanic. I think like one of them they could have hit a little bit harder on. 
Uh, but otherwise, yeah, they're sweet. But yeah, I think that was my general feeling. I mean, again, I don't think like when you're talking about sets that are straight up bad, like you're talking about like a cold snap or like a homelands. We're not talking about sets like that. <laughs> like they, right, they, right, they, right, right. this was not a this was not a year of any any anything like that. All right. Uh, next set on the list is uh, we've rotated. I want everyone to get headspace. Summer's over. Sets are rotating. All of the sets. Uh, Eldraine's no longer in standard. Jumpstart Horizons happened. We don't really worry about that. We're going back to the creepiest place. The happiest place on Earth uh, that's also creepy. And that's Innistrad. We're back on Innistrad. We're in Innistrad Midnight Hunt. Two sets. First time there's been two sets in the in this period of time. So we're going to have two. There's the first one, which is uh, there's a festival going on. But the werewolves are getting spicy. Uh, flashbacks back. Spirits also have flashback. That's yes. what I got to say about it. <laughs> I, I chose I, again. This is I, I wonder if we chose the same card. I'm waiting for us to pick the same card in one of these sets. I have a, this would be the one that I would have. This is the one that I would guess that we would pick the same card. This is a card that I know you liked, but I don't think either one of us slapped the label on as maybe the best, if not like top couple options when the set was previewed. I know we both liked it. You especially liked it. And now it has shown to be one of the best cards in the set. Um, it is the blue white faithful looting called faithful mending. Um, so I had two cards written down. Uh, yeah. I was going to put faithful mending and then I was like faithful mending or favorite. What's is that my favorite card that I've got to cast? I'm really happy that faithful mending exists though. So we can continue on how sweet that card is. I, I was pretty high. I think it was my number one pick for this set. No, you, you was, were excited. I mean, yeah. I know I, I remember I missed it more than you did when we did the preview on this. Um, but I also think this card has way overperformed from from what people thought it was going to be like i think this card is is like a player the thing that's so good about this card and this is something that i've really learned something i've really learned over the years is like so life gain in general is something that like most seasoned magic players kind of turn their nose up at i mean if it's if it's attached to something if you have a really good creature that has lifelink or if you have a really good ability that also gains you life it tends to be a little bit more like acceptable but like people don't usually rate life gain when it comes to like the quality of a card very highly. It's usually kind of a throwaway. But I think there's two things about this card that are really strong. The first part is it turns out instant speed faithless looting in a blue white deck is good enough anyway. <laughs> it just is. Like it doesn't it, it obviously is not as powerful as one drop sorcery speed. Flashes back for the same cost. But the fact that you gain two life both times means that by the time you're done resolving the spell and getting through it, especially because it's instant speed, so you can hold mana open to do it, the four life you gain by casting this thing twice is actually meaningful. Like, it's it's actually a significant gain in a game to put you up on the clock if you guys are trading in some way, that I do think that that's... That the four life you gain kind of... The fact that it's instant speed and four life kind of balances out the fact that Faithless Looting Sorcery Speed only costs one. It, they're, like... Well, and and it being an instant, right? Like those two, like it being an instant, and then, hey, Sphinx's Revelation taught all of us that gaining incremental life, uh, is good. It lets you stabilize in ways. Like it, it in many ways, it buys. It can. It reads like take an extra turn. It's your last turn, but sometimes that's enough. Yeah. So I like the 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 life gain is just going to be strong. Like life gain is good when it's attached to something that is already decent, right? That's when life gain pushes something from like decent to great. And often because it's a stabilizing effect. Agreed. Yeah. 
yes, Faithful Vending might be the most powerful card in the set. It might, in the long run, actually be my favorite. But I did want to pick what I think the coolest card in the set is. And that is Lier, Disciple of the Drowned. Uh, Lier, Disciple of the Drowned. Yeah, eh? three blue, blue, human, wizard, legendary creature, three, four. Spells cannot be countered. Oh, yeah, this card. Each instant sorcery card in your graveyard has flashback. Uh, Have you gotten to have this card in play under your control and untapped? Mm -hmm. No, I have not actually. This this set came out just in the time that my health was was deteriorating, so I hadn't really gotten to play with this card. But I definitely remember us talking about this when it was previewed. So it, you know, like, have you had omniscience in play in front of you? Yes, it feels like that. I'm not, yeah. and like, you feel like you you don't have unlimited mana, but you feel almighty and powerful, and there's nothing anyone can do to stop you. <laughs> <laughs> like being able to cast any card from your graveyard with flashback regardless of its cost like like obviously in decks that can do storm things is like bonkers but just like just doing middling if you have like five mana and you untap with five mana and every card in your graveyard has flashback and you can cast three spells off of this you feel mighty <laughs> and the fact that on top of that your opponent can't counter any of those spells well do you remember that card um was it draw new lich lord Yes. The blue that, black one. That 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 was bad snapcaster mage, right? Like you tapped it to give target Target card. card. Yeah, exactly. It's like so much worse than this. Yeah. <laughs> it's like astonishing and it's blue black. That's where you see when people talk about power creep and they talk about like a different eras of design, that's exactly what this card is, right? <laughs> this card costs the same thing as that card. It's mono blue, also legendary. Can't spells can't be countered. And then it's each instant and sorcery card. And it doesn't have any of the weird lich stuff that goes along with Dralnu. So, mm -hmm, yeah, mm -hmm. this card is very, very good. Mm -hmm. Definitely not the most powerful. I think Faithless Mending is the best card in the set. But I, I do think it's 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 really cool. Yeah. Um, so for the final set, uh, the most recent set, I picked kind of a funky card. Um, I know this card is seeing a little bit of play. This is a card, again, all, most, most all the cards I pick for cards that I like. And also cards that I think long term I expect to have just have a place like I'm ha like I sort of like favorite in the sense that I'm happy they exist. Mm -hmm. That's kind of the way I approached all the cards. So the card I pick is dig up one green sorcery. It is it has cleave of green, black, black one. So you may cast a spell for its cleave cost. If you do remove the words in square brackets, search your library for a basic card, basic land card, reveal it, put it in your hand. But if you uh, remove the brackets, then it's search your library for a card, put it into your hand, and shuffle your library. So for black, black, green, one, it is Demonic Tutor. And for one green, it's search your library for a basic land card, reveal it, put it in your hand. I like this card for a bunch of reasons. I like this card because anytime a card allows you to play multiple colors while also doing something cool, I think it's a win for Magic. Like, I think this is exactly the kind of thing that's good, whereas something like Astrolab is not. If that makes sense? Like, both cost one, both things fix your mana. One of them is busted. One of them is like a fun magic card that I'm glad exists. I'm really happy that a searcher library for a basic land card for one green, that if I draw this in the middle of the game as a demonic tutor is something that now exists in magic. I think sure. it's great design. I think it's strong. I think it's one of the best uses of cleave. One of the simplest uses of cleave. Um, it's restrictive also in the fact that it's double black on a green card. So you do have to be committed. Um, but well, I think it's, it's, it's diabolic tutor, right? That's it's like literally that. Yeah. Except yeah. for without green. But yeah, yeah. But yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. 
So I think I think Crimson Val, like we'll see where we end up, right? Like get, give it time and it might have a Shadows over Inner Shore effect where just like weird random cards from this set are more powerful than people give them credit for right now. I think this is my least favorite individual card set of the year like when i was going through it trying to pick my favorites like oh i kind of don't love anything the fact that odric is like one of my favorite cards in this set is like a and that card's like fine he's like very cool but almost more like i just wanted to argue with the internet (laughs) yeah uh and like the commander deck i built around him was very sweet but like i and and could see some amount of modern play in like an affinity shell but like yeah it 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 was one of the ones that was like most disappointing to me my favorite card's hallbreaker horror which is just like a Mm. the flavor of hallbreaker horror the fact that it is actually the thing in the ice right it's the same artist i don't know if you know this like thing in the ice so so hallbreaker horror is thing in the ice Okay. It's what Thing of the Ice becomes. It's the same artist. It has the same. It looks the same. It's it's the same power and toughness of the creature on the backside of Thing of the Ice. Oh, this giant card. I love this card. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, is cool from a flavor perspective. Love that callback. Uh, the fact that it's like Venser on like tons of performance enhancing drugs. <laughs> um, yeah, and like. Just so many things. It's obviously really, really powerful. It's really cool. Uh, and it's, I think it's like it can, relatively considered the best card in the set. Uh, and it's a seven drop. I dope. I'm a big fan. That's rare. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, look, we've only seen a couple previews so far of um, Neon Dynasty. And we'll talk about that more as we get into probably, probably next, next week. week. Yeah. Um, but I will say that it looks like what I've seen so far looks awesome and makes me rem- like, it's weird because we are going back to a plane that existed before, but it's been so long and I hated the original plane so much that there's no part of me that's like thinks that this is going to feel like old Kamigawa, whereas we've got a lot of Innistrad. And I love Innistrad. Like classic Innistrad is one of the best sets of all time. But I kind of felt like this was a little overkill, kind of in the same way that in some ways I feel like Ravnica is a little bit overkill now. Like I don't need to go back to Ravnica for a while. Sure. I'm kind of done with it. Sure. Like there are certain things and look, sometimes you swing for the fences on something new like Kaldheim and it's not my favorite, right? There are some sets that they go for it and I feel like they achieve something really cool. Um, Ikoria is one that I I'm, I, I want to go back to Ikoria. Like I think Ikoria is really, really oh, yeah. awesome. I think, I think um, of the last two years, Ikoria and Strixhaven are my two favorite sets. You know, and Ikoria, I had issues with the templating in the text when it first was because I remember because mutate. I was like, uh, what is this? Like, how do you and then like, you know, very quickly it made sense. But like, definitely is problematic in the corners, right? <laughs> yeah, it's fine on its face. It's just when you start thinking too hard about it, that it starts being weird. Yeah, but I, I definitely think that this was the this time returning to Innistrad period felt mm-hmm. like underwhelming for me. And then this most recent set. Like, I almost just didn't need to have two. I guess maybe that's maybe that was the maybe well, that's here's the here's, here's where I'm at. I'm actually really excited to draft and play double feature because double feature feel like be, these sets together having blood token uh, tokens along with flashback. That format sounds sweet. Like I'm I am so hyped to play all these cards together. And I will say I did like the story of Crimson Vale, right? The the I do like the vampire the wedding. wedding that I think is really cool. Um and so there's like stuff from from the inner star return that i love there's stuff that like maybe just like limited wasn't that fun and i loved limited so much more out of shadows of innistrad eldritch moon and original innistrad that that's really where my like negative vibes are but otherwise i think the sets 
yeah, I think I think in like hindsight, but maybe like it's kind of to your point, like like the return to Zendikar felt small. Like I did yeah. not like like that. That is another one where like the set now in the hindsight, like the double faced cards, the best variant of those was the lands, right? Like that that Zendikar probably had the best version of modal double faced cards. Hundred percent. Like the double faced stuff out of that Zendikar set, like all and and that goes from the lands double sided lands to double side to like, I mean land land double siders like the duels but then also just like the commons like there's yeah. just like a lot of cards from that set that are great like i think that that design is some of the most fun stuff um and look it, it, i always always sort of hate having a critical attitude of magic sets because i feel like i don't i know we, we know these people who make these cards like they're good friends of ours we know how much time and effort and energy goes into it and I know they care about it. I know they're excited about it. It's it'd be the same thing as it would be the same thing as somebody coming to me and saying, "Hey, uh, of the last seven songs you release, here's the two that I like. This one's okay. These two are pretty bad." And I'd be like, "What do you mean they're bad?" I'd, oh, I, you know, I'd, I'd be like, "I'd be like, I mean, I I understand that maybe they weren't for you, but like that meant a lot to me when I made it. Like that was something special to me. And like I can't, I would hate for anyone who's making these cards to feel like that I felt that way about the thing they created that they loved." But I also think that when it comes, we have to be honest, you know, like you, you, you can't just like say everything's roses. Well, I, I think like I love when people give me feedback on battle bosses. When someone's like, oh, I really loved how Nightmare played and I loved how Doc Explosion played. But Grakthar was really boring. And, you know, and this isn't true of these these bosses. All the bosses yeah. are great. But like, you know, like <laughs> <laughs> I like the notes, especially because like we're designing the next six bosses and me learning from our last ones and what was worked and what's different. I think that's one of the reasons Wizards is so open with the community on an individual creator basis, right? Like Andrew as a falling Gavin goes out to the community and talks to them because they get a lot of feedback. One of the reasons we're returning to Kamigawa is because of the conversations that Wizards employees had with the community and the community being like, no, we love Kamigawa as a set and a theme. The problem with the original set was just so powered down after Mirrodin, plus the like Legendaries Matter theme wasn't something you guys had a grasp on and Legendaries didn't matter at that point. Like, now they do, right? Like, so... Uh, I think that I'm really excited for Neon Kamigawa. Like that set looks so up my alley and fire. And I, I like I think there will be a little bit of a hark back to the old stuff, plus a bunch of new stuff. I think there might be a cool like based on the the story we've heard so far, like an old versus new um like relationship where they're they're gonna be like, you know, the, there's gonna be a part of the society that's like this is like what the old world was like, and that's gonna be like old Kamigawa, and then there's gonna be all the new neon signs futuristic stuff so i'm pretty hyped to see like what magic's take on the future is uh which is going to be cool as well um yeah I, like i think my favorite set was strixhaven by like a wide margin i think after that i really did like the innistrad sets though they're probably my third favorite of the times we've gone there and i do just like i'm excited for new worlds i am really excited to go back to new phyrexia that's like the one return i'm like yes let's do it and then dominaria next year is gonna be really cool uh i can't believe we're going back to dominaria already I, it's like it's so it's so wild to me that that was already a few years ago that we were there it's just i I don't know why this happens to me every few years. Every few years, when it's like, we're going back, I'm like, we were just there. And somebody be like, that was like three or four years ago. Well, like there's like, there's two parts of that, right? There was like eight years between the first time and the second time we were at Zendikar. And then there was like four years between the second and the third, right? There's yeah. like, we are going to more sets every year. Therefore, returns are happening quicker. But I, I think like, I think it's the beginning of the Dominaria story, right? Like, or the new Phyrexia story is we're going to go to Dominaria. 
and then there'll be a flashback to the brothers war which is going to be what the fall set is and it'll be like another two-part feature on like what's happening and i wouldn't be surprised if springs if by next spring we're at new phyrexia okay gotcha wow next spring like spring april this coming year no no like, no because new capenna is this april got it got it. okay you're yeah, saying, which you're... like also looks really cool i think i think there's like a lot of cool stuff we'll find out on new capenna as well like uh i think that's like elsbeth is going to be on that set we're going to learn a lot of cool stuff there um yeah but i think i think the next year is a big like let's learn about the past and how that affects the future sweet well i'm excited to talk about it hopefully we'll have some awesome previews that we can break down for next week um, I think that's going to wrap up our best cards and best sets of 2021 episode. Uh, happy and, New Year to all yeah. of you. And and a look into the future. We, we talked a little bit about that. So yeah, so today's episode, 2021 in review and, and, a, and uh, a first look at 2022 in Neon Kamigawa. Yes. Get those keywords into the title. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. Thank you, everyone. Welcome back, Ben. It's great. I'm going to go take a bunch of Claritin, and we will talk to everyone next week. Thank you so much. Happy New Year. Bye, guys. This has been a production of Time Traveler Media, sending podcasts into the future.